you have to realize that any given medium is a new lane or pathway you can take to reach an audience and you don't have to pay a toll to somebody else to reach their fandom necessarily. You can go and you can create those mediums yourself. You can go be your own media company or you're always gonna be paying rent versus paying the mortgage. When you pay creators, you pay rent. But when you go and build creators, you're paying a mortgage. When you go and identify mediums that you can build your own content in, you are rewarding yourself longer term. You're listening to Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. And that's Christopher Travers, an entrepreneur focused on the area of pseudonymity and various forms of online identity. Over his career, he has built many products from anonymous social media networks to virtual influencer companies focused on bringing avatars to life as influential beings. Christopher recently spent some time with me, Cassandra Napoli, to break down this incredibly complex and layered topic and to share his expert commentary on the constantly evolving world of virtual influencers who now seem to be showing up in more digital spaces than ever. In that beginning clip, Christopher was answering my question on where brands can and should play in this space, which probably could have been discussed across an entire episode. That's because the virtual influencer market is booming as these characters prove to really resonate with modern social media audiences. In fact, virtual influencers are said to yield three times more engagement than human influencers. They're really ushering in a whole new world of sponsorship potential and dynamic multi-platform entertainment possibilities for brands to be a part of. Over the next decade, as these characters and the technology supporting them mature, it's anticipated that they will transform everything from pop culture and online shopping to education and work. By 2030, the digital human market is set to be worth about $530 billion globally, which is up from just 10 billion in 2020. I started my conversation by simply asking Christopher probably the most important question of all when it comes to this very complex topic. What exactly is a virtual influencer? It's somewhat of an umbrella term in recent years. So if you could give us your definition. It's where you take a character of any kind and you share it on social media, but you give it a first person personality. Right. So basically, you give a character its own personality on social media, which is where most influencers live out their lives nowadays. Right. So, for instance, if you were to take Minnie Mouse and post her on the Minnie Instagram, and instead of saying Minnie's going to go to the store today, you post I'm going to the store today or whatever it may be from Minnie's perspective. And if you do this consistently again and again and again, over time, you start to realize what you have is a virtual influencer, a character with its own following. And there can be many different kinds, right? So at WGSN, we've been diving deep into the world of VTubers, for example, also anthropomorphic characters and even AI-backed influencers now. So I'm curious where, what is the definition here? Where does it kind of, where does the line sort of end? It's such a good question because virtual influencers first came into the fold because of Instagram. You know, there were some model-like influencers getting shared that were these 3D humans. 
And this was before VTubers popped up. This was before AI influencers kind of emerged. And that said, you start to realize that as long as these characters have their own personality online, they are a virtual influencer because they are virtual and they're influencing. There are different types of virtual influencers, such as VTubers, like you said, which is a virtual YouTuber, uh, or an anime character typically controlled by a webcam for the sake of live streaming on Twitch or YouTube. So in regards to everything under the sun, that definition I described is really why I've over the years come to the most general and simple way to understand it is as long as you're leveraging a character or giving a character to express a first person personality, you are a virtual influencer. The sort of first thing that pops into my head is Lil Michaela. I'm sure everyone listening is probably familiar with her. She was sort of the first oh, yeah. virtual influencer, right, to cut through. Where do you think the virtual influencer sort of realm has, do you think she kind of powered it into the mainstream, I guess is my main question. And where do you think we go from here? This is a really good question. You're right that she was the first to cut through, quote unquote, because she was actually around the 11th virtual influencer to exist. However, she was the only one in this era of social media to really break through into the mainstream, into what I call a media darling, right? She was the media darling of the virtual influencer space because every journalist wanted to give their take on who this was and why this existed or what it could mean. And so when you create a form of art that creates such commentary, you are heavily rewarded. And the way that Michaela was rewarded was she gained 3 million followers. So Michaela's success story was a time and place success story though. She was a 3D photo-based character at that time who blew up in a time when we valued photos on Instagram. But quickly within two years, the tone shifted as TikTok emerged into a video-centered media, right? So video is now the bread and butter and you see some of the most successful virtual influencers actually outpacing little Michaela by focusing on video. So that is that VTuber world that we describe. Sure, Michaela has 3 million followers, but if you gain a following based off of media exposure alone, that 3 million, then I don't think they're true fans. You look at the VTuber world, there are some that have 500,000 fans in the VTuber world, but they are so committed, so deeply obsessed with those anime characters that when you put it on a scale of fandom, the VTubers are typically garnering now an even deeper connection with their fans. And that is a result of the fact that they are using the video medium because they can more fluidly and more clearly express their human selves in that medium. In the video medium, we're seeing a huge explosion of virtual characters emerge. The virtual influencer space that is photocentric only has a few hundred characters on Instagram, for instance, right? But now the VTuber world, I'm not kidding, is pushing, I think, 25,000, 50,000 of these characters. We're in the hockey stick growth phase of the VTuber industry at the moment, as far as the long tail goes, just purely how many people are able to access the tools to make animated characters. You ask about the future and what is to come. People are getting um, more creative about their use of tools to bulk create video-centric virtual influencer content. So that said, we figured out at my last company how you can be persistently a character, how you can wear a character 24-7 if you wanted to, where you wear the right motion capture gear and you appear as a 3D avatar and it's one-to-one. -one. Your time gets you, one hour of your time gets you one hour of avatar time.
This is Create Tomorrow from WGSN, and I'm talking to Christopher Travers about the future of the virtual influencer. Having discussed some of the human-operated virtual accounts, our conversation turned to one of the trends in WGSN's 2023 Top Trends Report, AI Influencers. I wanted to go back to this idea of the fact that little Michaela was really powered by a team of humans, right? And it, yes, it, yes. this sort of interesting shift is VTubers are powered by one human in a motion capture suit. Is that correct? Yes, that is. And then what we're talking about with artificial kind of virtual humans, which is set to become something like a $530 billion market, the sort of AI virtual human market by 2030. And so I'm wondering what you think about this. Will virtual influencers or AI humans essentially ever replace human influencers altogether? This is a really challenging question. I just actually want to clarify really quickly that VTubers um, don't, most of them don't use motion capture technology as far as suits go. They just use their webcam, uh, most, most, most of them. Uh, the higher end ones need to use motion capture gear. But you're right, the, the industry is set to grow by 2030 to the tune of billions of dollars. And it's really fascinating um, where those numbers are derived. Uh, and it's on the assumption that everyone is going to embody avatars in some capacity. Um, some people want to be avatars. They just want to identify as an avatar even pseudonymously, which means they don't even reveal their human identity. You just get to know their avatar identity. So there's going to be some percentage of internet users which, by the way, is already reflected in the internet today, you know, thanks to websites like Reddit, Tumblr, etc., that celebrate pseudonymity, right? So some percent of the internet just wants to be anonymous or wants to be pseudonymous, and yet they still want to express themselves. So that said, there's going to be some percent of the market in the future that is just dedicated to individuals acting as characters. However, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Let's take like the grandmother who likes to message their kids who plays Roblox or whatever it may be, right? That grandmother wants to better connect with their kids, so they choose to use an AR filter, perhaps the one provided by Apple, right? You know, you can open up your phone, you can put on the unicorn head or whatever you want to put on, like this character. And now if you look at that for a moment and reflect, this is a grandmother leveraging an avatar to express herself which you never thought would happen, right? So now we're seeing that because the technology is out there for more and more people to just easily spin up an avatar and act and behave through that avatar, you could say like grandma's commitment to avatars is I just wanna send a funny video to my grandchildren, right? But this deep internet native raised playing video games who wants to be pseudonymous all the time is going to embody an avatar persistently. So that said, as long as the entire market has an opportunity to express themselves in avatars in some capacity, that means that there's an economic opportunity on top of this form of expression. If you look at the youngest generation, this group is incentivized to socialize. They're always on the internet. They're playing video games all the time. They have this strong, deep incentive to express themselves in new ways and to explore their own identity. And as a result of this cocktail of digital obsession, always seeing avatars in video games, always using AR filters on their social media networks, and also swiping through TikToks where animation is becoming increasingly prevalent, 
even opening up Netflix and seeing Arcane as a actual show you can watch, which is a whole animated series, this blend of interests as this group who is 15 becomes 20 and becomes 25 years old and grows up, we're only going to see an increase in the adoption of avatars. And ultimately it all shaves down to two industries. One, the video game industry. Two, the anime industry. These two industries are pushing forward the adoption of avatars so deeply right now that if you want to really trace things back to the growth potential of avatars, go look at the growth potential of those two industries and you'll start to understand that this is only up and to the right and that even grandmothers are now embodying avatars. And I think the interesting bit for our listeners will be where do brands have a part to play here, right? Is it just kind of that sponsored content that we've been seeing? Like, what do you envision for the future of this? Is it branded entertainment? Is it more robust productions, kind of hi-fi content? What do you think? Look, every company, I've heard this said over the I've I've heard this said for like three years now, that every company needs to be a media company now. Right. Every company needs to express themselves in the form of media. It used to be content marketing. It used to be our blog strategy. Throw that out now. You need to fully identify with the people you want to reach. You have to now think, Okay, wait a minute. I just described how there are 500,000 committed fans to a virtual character on social media. What is stopping you from going and creating that virtual character now and trying to find 500,000 committed fans to your vision? This is a real opportunity that a lot of brands sit back on. Um, I I just think there's not enough um, innovation at play about the fact that mediums are turning over so fast now, right? But now there are worlds in video games and there's AR filters and there's VTubers and there's virtual influencers using CGI. Like there's so many new mediums now that it's almost hard to keep up with. But brands need to identify as one who is able to keep up with micro mediums. Mediums used to be easy. You just make a blog, you go and you tweet, you post some infographics on Instagram, happy day, right? TikTok was the first challenge to that, you know, that really blew up, that forced brands to wake up to the fact that new mediums will turn over more rapidly now. And as you see with YouTube continuing to become one of the largest social networks in the world, with VTubers blowing up on this platform, avatars and animation just propagating across Netflix, propagating across social media networks, you have to realize that any given medium is a new lane or pathway you can take to reach an audience. And you don't have to pay a toll to somebody else to reach their fandom necessarily. You can go and you can create those mediums yourself. You can go be your own media company or you're always gonna be paying rent versus paying the mortgage. This is the way I like to put it. When you pay creators, you pay rent. But when you go and build creators, you're paying a mortgage. When you go and identify mediums that you can build your own content in, you are rewarding yourself longer term. But it also requires you to you could say have the guts to go and believe that you want to commit to something for three years versus commit to something for three months. In a world where young people are facing what's been dubbed an attention recession, right? They're, they're got too much on, they're digitally fatigued, they're cyber sick. If you're advising a brand that they need to play in this virtual influencer space, like how do they cut through at this moment? What is the kind of key to success? In order to connect with people online, you cannot just go and throw paint on the wall. You cannot go and you know, spit fireballs out and try to do the flashiest thing online that you can think of. You have to go, you have to 
approach it as a friend would, provide true value to people, provide true support to people, actually do research and provide insights to them because this helps people learn. It helps them progress in life. How do you approach your best friend, right? You're there with insights. You're there with support. You share interesting things that you saw with them. You ask them how they are doing. You go outside of the text medium and you call them sometimes. You go and you get coffee with them sometimes, whatever it is, right? And you have to approach your fans like your friends and treat them as such. You can't just expect people to come and you know show up and buy your stuff or go look at your brand or whatever it is you want them to do. You have to actually treat them like humans and connect with them in a organic way. And what this looks like is it's going back to the micro. It's going back to these niche communities because the only way you can really do that really well is if you really focus on a subset of fans and make sure that they are having the best time possible. And then these fans will promote you through word of mouth, which says, I'm having this incredible experience with this brand. You need to go meet them. We're finding that you can build a base uh, almost like a politician might think about it is what is your base as a brand? Like who are the ones who are gonna come out for you and show up for you, right? So that said, brands need to be treating their fans as friends and think about what mediums allow them to relate with them in genuine ways moving forward and who on your team is most equipped to connect with your fandom as a friend. This is also something that gets into demographics. You have to ensure that your team is made up of a demographic that relates with the demographic that you wish to reach because there's two ends to every bridge. And if you believe that you as a brand can reach a demographic that you don't even reflect within your team, then you're gonna have a huge problem on your hands. You're listening to Create Tomorrow by WGSN, and we're talking all things virtual influencers. We really can't have this conversation without discussing the ethics surrounding the topic. So I asked Christopher whether the humans powering these accounts had a responsibility to ensure that audiences know that the influencers are not real. Yeah, it's really tricky because I think any given medium's ethics are related to human ethics underneath. People are like, oh, like virtual influencers might be bad because there's uh, misuse of them or something like this. But then you could ask and say, okay, wait a minute, what is the video medium, right? I've seen the video medium used in such terrible ways in the past, right? And I've been actually really upset by certain videos I've seen before. Now, I rarely am upset by the avatars that I see. I see mostly positive expressions of self, positive expression of teams, uh, creative exploration, people who just want to express themselves without the social barriers that come with their physical human identity, which is one of the more fascinating implementations of avatars I've seen. And that said, it it's a fascinating exploration that the medium is neutral and that it's how you use it in the end that matters. And I think that there is a huge um, responsibility that falls on every single human who engages with the medium to disclose, to be clear, uh, to make sure people know that what they're consuming, you know, know exactly what they're consuming. And so, for instance, I think disclosure is a great way to ensure that your use of an avatar, your use of a, of a VTuber or whatever it may be, uh, is for a positive use case. Else you risk tricking someone, you risk leading somebody on, or you list, uh, risk exposing someone to an idea under false pretenses. And so you have to make sure that 
uh, in my opinion, you're still applying your human ethics to the mediums that you use, whether it's an avatar or it's a photo or it's a video. So we're also seeing human celebrities and influencers actually digitize themselves to create digital twins or replicas that they can send off into the metaverse to do a shoot. Now, we've been tracking digital native modeling agencies for years. That's virtual influencers or virtual characters that are represented by virtual agency talent, right? But what we're seeing now is a shift to human-based agencies launching virtual influencer divisions. And I know that's a mouthful. But for example, Elite World Group, so they're a big modeling agency, they launched a digital arm of their modeling agency and digitized a model called Jasmine Sanders. Similarly, LA modeling agency Photogenics recently launched an avatar division to extend the scope of storytelling and possibilities for models and talent on its roster. Do you think that there is a future in which this will be the norm and all celebrities and all models will have digital doubles or digital replicas or digital twins, whatever you want to call them, to license out for digital projects, allowing them to essentially earn money from their couch? It's a good question. Uh, at the top, you see celebrities with the greatest incentive to create replicas of themselves. And when I say replica, I mean a one-to-one replica, right? A digital twin, like you said, Cassandra. There's all sorts of different ways to refer to the perfect recreation of self, uh, your own image. Um, I think that wherever the economic incentive is highest, you will see the avatar individual follow, right? Or somebody follow in having an avatar created of themselves. Um, So the average model might not go through the lift of having a digital double created of themselves. Um, If there's high demand, though, of a celebrity, of a leading model in the world, I can see them getting pitched by an agency or a human agency that it would be smart to create a virtual version of self. Now, oftentimes I see the creation of a digital double used just for a one-off activation versus this idea of a, let's just keep it around to use again and again and again so that you don't have to do as much work. Um, And a one-off activation of a digital double to me is a dead end. It's actually not worth talking about. It's just one individual's agency's idea that was an innovation investment. Um, which is cool. Okay, it's great. It's great for the PR. But you know what's actually happening there? Are we trying to get Bella Hadid into a virtual environment for the next 10 years? Or did we just want to get the PR clicks for this next week, right? So you have to ask yourself, what is the incentive there? Um, in regards to human agencies, though, um, the agencies you described, I think, are targeting more one-off clicks. Whereas the agencies that are actually moving the needle on involving avatars in their roster are the ones that include VTubers and YouTuber creators who are also avatars or who are pseudonymous, right? Dream, great example of a YouTuber, very, very popular pseudonymous um, individual who just recently revealed his identity, right? However, look at Hololive, which is a roster exclusively of avatars or Vishojo or Nijisanji, Like these are all examples of avatar only agencies representing talent. Now, I also know of some that are just like a blend, um, but the common thread in all of these is they are not digital doubles, but they are pseudonymous avatars that don't directly reflect the human identity. Instead, they are the vessel through which the human expresses themselves. And I think this is gonna be the more popular implementation moving forward is Celebrities creating alter egos rather than creating digital doubles. Mm. 
Interesting. And that kind of segues really nicely into the final question, which is that I'm very fascinated by the ways in which virtual talent will rewrite the rules of entertainment. And so a great example is the animated film Bell, which teamed up with a Japanese virtual agency called Awe Inc. to launch a digital double of the protagonist, both on Instagram and Spotify, allowing fans to engage with the character beyond the end of the film. Do you think that that's a version of the future of entertainment? Oh, absolutely. Actually, I covered this deeply uh, when it happened um, in a way that I think nobody else noticed is that Belle is a brilliant story of a girl who becomes a girl without a voice, actually, who becomes famous in her Internet world. Um, And in the Internet world, she is a celebrity. Right. But then what they did was they took Belle, the girl who's famous in the Internet world, the actual avatar, and they made her famous in our Internet world as well. And so by browsing the internet and consuming Belle's Instagram, you then are bridged into the animated world. And it's just this magical, never before done connection of our physical reality to this um, reality in the animated world. And that's something that they only did for a short amount of time, but I actually wish they continued, right? Because imagine if Belle there was a sequel, you know, not that there's set to be a sequel or, or um, there's investment justifying continuing that story. I just think it was such a magical art experience that there was more to be said and done there. It was an unfinished statement of art and it was really, really, um, it was done really quite well. And you see on Spotify, it's kind of wild that you can see Belle herself has millions of streams on Spotify, but Belle is a virtual character in an animated story. I just think it was it was it was um, a blending of mediums and ideas in an innovative way. And I think more people should think that way. And then I like to just an- end these conversations with a sort of speed lightning round. So in a very short amount of words, what is your favorite virtual influencer account and why? You know, Hatsune Miku would be the one because she's the original um, and she's an open source implementation of a character that anyone can recreate and anyone can embody. And I think that is a statement that's also needing more exploration. If you had to pick one thing, what's next in the virtual influencer space? What should we be paying attention to this year? I think the first AI influencer that people follow, not because it's AI, but because they actually care what it's saying will hit the scene. And then for finally, for brands listening in today, interested in exploring more of the space, where do they start? You know, you need to go and find some influencers out there that are virtual and look to what they're doing for your truest lesson, right? I'm a believer, a big believer in primary sources. And if you view yourself as wanting to get the answers, you need to go and watch the content. You need to go and speak to the fans of those influencers. And the best world to immerse yourself in right now is the VTuber world. Go and find the most, um, the leading VTubers and immerse yourself in their fandoms. Thank you to Christopher Travers for taking the time to speak to us today. If you're a WGSN subscriber, you'll find reports covering many of the topics we touched upon on our Insight platform. And for a glimpse of the very latest, do check out our Marketing Forecast 2023. If you want to find out how to subscribe, head over to WGSN.com to discover how you can get access to our service. 
We're constantly publishing new content, focusing on how we can design a brighter, better future for our industries, including food and drink, interiors, beauty, fashion, and consumer tech. You can subscribe to the show on all major podcast platforms. And if you like what you've heard, why not leave us a rating and review on iTunes? I'd also like to thank our podcast producer, Roland Bodenham. We'll be back in two weeks time for our next episode. Thank you so much for listening.